That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We have a special guest today, Dr. Paul Hicks, who is a former member of the Executive Committee for the Southern Baptist Convention. He just resigned last Saturday. We're going to get his take on the current ongoing issue, um, controversy over what to do about sexual abuse in the convention, and we'll get into corruption and other things as well. Before we get there, though, a few announcements. Christianity and social justice, religions and conflict uh, is doing well on Amazon. If you want to go purchase a copy of it, you can go to Amazon and purchase it, um, or you can go to, um, actually, you'll find the Amazon link there as well, but you can go to ChristianityAndSocialJustice.com. That's ChristianityAndSocialJustice.com. And uh, I'm getting a lot of good reviews from people who have read the book. Uh, Trevor Loudon, by the way, I should probably just read this uh, since I have it right in front of me. Trevor Loudon sent me a message. He's um, basically, he's, he's a, an expert on communism, uh, filmmaker, author, and he sent this to me yesterday. Western Christianity has waited a long time for this book. John Harris has done his faith a great service by applying his considerable academic skills to the elephant in the room, the accelerating Marxist orientation of the American church. John Harris not only has the research and writing skills to illuminate this deliberately obscured topic, but most importantly, he has the rare courage to name names. Thank you, Mr. Harris. And um, to that message I, that I received from Trevor Loudon, I just want to say thank you, Trevor Loudon. That's a, a high compliment, and uh, he's, he's one of the good guys in this, and I just really appreciate that. So... Um, I did post uh, that quote on the social media uh, links today for conversations that matter, and uh, those are get, that's getting a lot of traction as well. But um, I'm just really happy with uh, how the book came out. I got my copy today. I should have had it sitting here. It's downstairs, but um, I, I do have a, my copy, and it, it looks good. It's tight. Uh, it's uh, it, it just it explains uh, liberation theology, critical race theory, the whole panoply of social justice, and why it is in conflict with Christianity, what Christianity offers that social justice can never offer. And so um, I would encourage you, go get your copy of that, ChristianityAndSocialJustice.com. And special offer, if you become a patron, link is in the info section to become a patron, a member of Patreon.com, 10 bucks a month uh, or more. If you if you just sign up 10 bucks a month uh, to uh, Conversations That Matter, then uh, I will send you an autographed copy of Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict for free. So there you go. It's only uh, $10 a month to get that. So uh, you, you sign up at patreon.com, but the uh, specific link uh, for, uh, I think it's patreon.com slash worldview conversation, but I'll put the link in the info section for everyone if you're interested in that. So without further ado, let's talk to Dr. Paul Hicks. Dr. Paul Hicks is a bivocational pastor who was on the executive committee. Um, he was at least until last Saturday and he resigned. There's an article uh, up on Capstone Report that has more of the details, but we are going to get the story straight from Dr. Hicks. So welcome to the Conversations That Matter uh, that matter program. And I appreciate you being willing to share with us kind of what's going on. Well, great. Thank you for having me. So that's an honor. So um, why don't you just run everyone through kind of who you are? You're a pastor, uh, you're bivocational, though. You've been on the executive committee for the Southern Baptist Convention for seven years, and you decided to resign. Why would you do that? Well, like I said, it, or as you stated, I'm a pastor. I've been pastoring uh, since I was 23, and so I'm 51, so you know, listeners can do the math. Uh, it's too late in the day for me to do math. 
Uh, I've been bivocational for the last uh, about four years. I enjoy being bivocational. And just with some fault, I decided this past Saturday that it was time for me to resign. Uh, one of the reasons I resigned is just I'm bivocational. I missed the meetings uh, this previous week because at my job, we training. So they brought some people in. I had to be at the training. And so it was not possible for me to get away. Uh, there are other bivocational members, and there have been in the past, but the truth is, uh, if you're a bivocational pastor, it's really difficult to serve on the EC. One of the reasons I resigned, though, besides that, uh, was the fact of the, the ongoing discussion about the executive committee waiving its privilege, the, um, the liability. And my concern is that by waiving that, it was going to open up the entire EC to be sued individually. Uh, probably not just the EC. I think it would open up the possibility for, say, um, the credentials committee. Those people could be sued individually. In fact, I think there's the possibility that this action could potentially open up all of our entities, uh, national, possibly even state. Maybe it could go further down. And it would open up all of us up to lawsuits that has been a goal of many people in this and people have gotten huge cash settlements and if they ever get a way to get to the cooperative program money they're going to do it there's people that that's what they make their living doing and so i decided that it was time for me to get out while i was covered because i don't want to be a part of anything like that I want to back up two steps uh, because there's a lot of confusion. I, I'm thinking of the laymen in the Southern Baptist Convention. They go to church, they give uh, money to the Lottie Moon offering, and they give money on Sunday, and they don't understand exactly what's going on at the highest levels of their denomination. But there has been, for the last couple of years, uh, a push um, to uh, get some oversight from the Executive Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention, I guess over churches for the purpose of preventing sex abuse. Am I, am I stating that correctly? You know, the way you put it, you know, I'll just be honest, I'm not sure. Uh, the water has been very muddied since the credentials committee's purpose was changed several years ago. When that took place, I was one of the few executive committee members that opposed it. And I understand I'm completely against sexual abuse. Uh, you know, the best way to stop sexual abuse, someone from being a repeat offender is to in a rope and hang them downtown. And I don't think you're going to find anybody in our entities that's in favor of sexual abuse. The problem is, what can you do about it? You know, we are a bottom to the top organization. The churches, the local church is the highest authority in the Southern Baptist Convention. And the executive committee has a very limited role, as do all the um, so when they began to change uh, originally when the credentials committee purpose was changed we were assured by the leadership that you know it's not an investigative arm you know there's no investigation going to be you know part of this well what do you do when individuals and churches begin to submit reports of alleged abuse to the credentials committee. And I think that's part of where we are now. 
So that's a real big question. What is supposed to be done? Uh, and I, my understanding is that the task force is wanting to look at executive committee minutes and, and have access to everything. Well, as far as I know, there's never been uh, a case brought against the executive committee regarding sexual abuse. To my knowledge, no sexual abuse has ever taken place at the executive building or when the executive committee has been somewhere. So my concern is, well, the executive committee is not responsible for any seminary, any church, uh, the other entities. So it makes me question, why are they doing this? So there's been a push, and, and this is, I guess, what came out of this is this um, task force uh, from the Southern Baptist Convention this year. They voted on, we're going to have a task force to investigate. But um, the, the push is to get some kind of a, a remedy to uh, situations that involve sexual abuse from the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. And for those who don't know, Southern Baptists um, believe in church autonomy. So the churches are, yeah. they stand alone, they cooperate together for missions and other things, um, but they are individually churches themselves. And the way it was handled up until recently, I thought was you call the police at your local church and you handle it kind of in your community, in your church. Exactly. Is that yes. correct? Yes. yes, that's, I mean, in fact, if anybody's listening now, if you know somebody, your next door neighbor, uh, someone at your church, anything, call the authorities immediately. That's what you do. Okay, so this became, though, through like the Caring Well initiative and I don't know what else, but sort of, I guess, when the Me Too stuff started, that's at least when I started hearing about it, there, there became this um, obsession with getting um, the, the center of the convention, the, the, the uh, executive committee and other entities now, seminaries and so forth, to do something extra to combat sexual um, abuse. But it seems like it's vague and it also seems like it's never enough. No matter what happens, it, there's always a finger pointing at the executive committee like they're somehow complicit. And that's, yes. that's what people are in the pews are dealing with right now is this accusation online, even from the president of the convention, seemed to, uh, Litton uh, seemed to insinuate that there's yes. some kind of a yes. nefarious um, willingness to cover up sexual abuse. Now, why is that? Why, why is that accusation going out there? And what's, what's behind that? Well, now, I obviously don't have the answer to that, but I'll give you my opinion. It's from, when you get into the entities of the Southern Baptist Convention, and, and understand, when I talk about the Southern Baptist Convention now, the SBC to me now stands for room control. That's the new SBC. Um, most decisions are made in a back room among a small group of men before the matters are even brought to their trustees. So many times trustees are, are rubber stamping things and or have very little time to make decisions or don't understand the issues at hand. I think you're dealing with a lot of incompetence. I think you're de dealing with back room that is purpose for uh, other workers. I think it's done on purpose. You know, there's an old saying, follow the money. And I believe if you look at our entities today, follow the money. The, they're individuals, they are making six, seven figures off of our cooperative program money. Sometimes, I believe sometimes more. So why are the accusations being leveled? I'm not sure, but I believe one reason is because 
as Southern Baptists especially, we believe in protecting children, looking after the weak. We're a people that are known for a desire for righteousness. And let's face it, when you hear accusations of sexual abuse and cover-ups, most of us, it, it stirs our accusation guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, it, I mean, it certainly gets people riled up. They don't want that, and they're willing to almost do anything to prevent a, a situation like that, uh, especially where children are involved. Um, you, you said that you think what might explain some of this is the follow the money. I mean, are, is there anyone in particular or situation that maybe you would want to cite to say, like, this is what I saw, this is the corruption that exists, just to let people in the pews who are funding the Southern Baptist Convention kind of know uh, what you saw. I'm not going to cite anything. Well, let me say one Right. Right. Uh, I would say that, for example, the incompetence uh, that you, I guess you would call it incompetence, for the executive committee, uh, we would meet for our time in Nashville, for example. Well, the last day of our meeting is usually when the more important decisions are made. And there are many times that on that last day, we would really be getting into the meet or the discussion. And then our officers would say something to the effect of, okay, everybody, this is, this is great discussion, but we need to wrap it up because y'all have all got flights to catch. Y'all got to get back home. That bothered me the entire time I was on the committee. I know it bothered others. People said things, but nothing changed. And so one you know, great way to keep things uh, keep things from happening that they don't want to happen is you limit discussion. Uh, that happened on many different issues where we would really be digging into something and we were stopped. Uh, I remember when we were first discussing changing the, the credentials committee and uh, taking up the sexual abuse or, or putting in place to be more protective. I remember the officers, I remember J.D. Greer, we kept hearing the, the cry, well, the world's watching. We don't have time to discuss anymore. We've got to make a decision now because the world's watching us. Well, I agree that's an important decision, but I believe important decisions like that, you need to take time and prayer and research. Most of us on the EC, and I would guess most of the other entities, we're not lawyers. And as much as we don't want to have to say that we've got to look at the law, when you're, talk, when you're making these types of decisions, you need to look at the law. That's one example. Uh, another example, I, I'm not going to name names. I don't want to do that, but I think you've got entity heads. They're making six figures, some of them seven figures. It's not all directly from the Southern Baptist Convention. Remember, the Southern Baptist Convention produces no product. Every dime we have comes from the cooperative program little exception on Lifeway, but it's still the same idea. And many of these men, they're double, triple dipping. They have book deals here. They have conference deals here. And so I've said that one of the best things that we could do to establish trust with our entities again is I believe the presidents, vice presidents, your other top officers and employees in our entities they need to immediately release a detailed account of their salary packages. Let us see what they're making. Second, 
I think these individuals should release their tax uh, records. Let us see where they're making their money from. Um, if they've got nothing to hide, then what's the problem? Because I think if we see where all the money's going, um, people would be very alarmed. Pastors that are bivocational, churches that can't do the ministry they want to do, and then they see the huge amount of money that's going to individuals. So you have you you suggested this, but you've never been able to formally suggest this in your capacity as an EC member. Is that right? I did not. Okay. Um, especially the last two years with my bivocational status. These have been uh, discussions, one-on-one, small groups. So no, it was never made as a motion. I'm, I'm really, I guess, now suggesting this as someone that's gone from the EC and saying this would be a great way to go forward. You right. know, let's say I'm wrong about everything. Well, great way to do it is show me your package, show me your tax returns. Right, yeah, that would, that would uh, certainly clear things up. Um, you were concerned, one of the reasons you got off the EC was uh, that the, if they, if attorney client privilege is waived, in other words, if some of these people that, um, have been abused who have testified before the EC, uh, if, if the books are opened and lawyers can go look at what was said in these meetings, um, it could be a way to even go after you personally. Can you, can you explain that to people who might not quite understand why would lawyers want to go after you as a member of the EC? You didn't do anything. Oh, of course not. And, you know, there's an old saying, maybe you've heard it before, don't sue poor people. Well, the reason you don't sue poor people is they're poor. Uh, the reality is most of our uh, legal system is no longer about justice or honor. It's about monetary uh, gain. So you sue people for money, for damages. Well, I'm not particularly concerned about myself as much, uh, but I mean, theoretically, if a, if a group could go into the EC, and it's not being guilty. They, people can sue you for anything. Uh, I mean, I could sue you right now. That may not win, but it's, it's legally I can do it. If the task force clears the, our protection, then suddenly all these people potentially could sue. They could sue us as individuals. Possibly they could sue our churches. I mean, it gets muddy real quick. And the, quick, and the reality is we don't know what would happen. Right now we're protected. Um, you start removing all of that and you've got people that they're, they're waiting in line They're Let's face it. And no offense to any lawyers out there. I've got family members that are lawyers. that are wonderful. I know great lawyers, but there's also terrible lawyers. Well, they make their living off lawsuits. And if they make money for you, they make money. So if they could sue individuals, they would, but especially let's, let's be honest. There are some people on the EC and all the other entities. This isn't just about the EC that make good money or their own, um, their trustees for a college or a seminary. Uh, and for the bit, and it's really important. We're all surrounded by the cooperative program. People want that money. And so, you know, suddenly these lawsuits could just come out of the uh, woodwork. Yeah. And we know for a fact, you know, on the EC, we know there's always people that are trying to do lawsuits. And so that's my concern. I just said, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. I'm tired of the incompetence. I just want away from all this. Yeah. And I don't blame you for that, especially with everything you have going on, which sounds like it's a lot. Um, yes. I, for people that are still, um, I think it's getting clearer uh, for them, but um, 
I guess what I want to ask is uh, you were part of the the, la- the meetings leading up to when you resigned, which was last Saturday. Um, so you, you've been part of the discussion yes. to some extent, at least about what authority to give to this task force. How is this going to work? And yes. so the, the I'll, I'll just say it this way. It's the left. I don't you know, you don't have to agree with my terminology, but I think I think it's the left. I think it's the social justice leaning um, people oh, in yes. the yeah. Southern. Yeah. Yeah. In the Southern Baptist Convention that are yes. spinning a narrative uh, that there's something that the executive committee is trying to hide something. There's the controversy has been whether or not you're yes. for or against abuse, which but that's not the actual question. It sounds to me like from what you're saying, the actual question and what's been debated is whether or not we're going you're going to allow this task force to um, open a door that could potentially allow lawyers to go after people, even individually. And that's yes. the question is, do we allow that? It has nothing to do with abuse or not abuse or which is what the left is trying to make it out like it is. Am I am I right on that? Yes. Let's see. Yes. Yes. OK. This has, you know, this has so much to do with it. And I think by what you said is also touching on the fact that, you know, this is just this is just one of the facts. It's, it's out there. Southern Baptist Convention is overwhelmingly a conservative denomination. We're one of the last uh, churches that believes that God only calls men to be pastors. Uh, we're one of the last denominations that rejects uh, homosexuality and all the ABC uh, degenerate teaching that's out there. That's not popular. We're one of the last denominations that says abortion is always wrong, and you can go on and on. Well, a lot, a lot of our members are Republican. That is not popular. And so there's a lot of agencies that they really want the Southern Baptist Convention to go away. And that plays a part in it. Interesting. Well, um, I don't think I have many more questions, but it, to me, this is such a cut and dry issue. It's it's like these um, the, even the president of the convention, they're they're spinning this whole story that just it doesn't match reality. And um, I appreciate you from the inside just kind of clearing this up. I mean, do you have anything you want to add to what's already been said or do you want to respond to anyone who's trying to lie about the EC? Well, you know, sure. I would say that, you know, one one thing that someone might say against, you know, me speaking out and then this is my opinion, you know, as I'll state it again, prove me wrong. You know, all, all the guys, these big positions, come on, show us your, show us your salary right now. You don't have to have your entity's permission. Show us details, show us your expense account, show it all. And then show us your income tax for the past 10 years or so. And we'll see your book. We'll see everything, but prove me wrong. Uh, but what some people would say is, oh, you know, with you coming out, this is going to cause further distrust in the convention. And, Paul, you may be hurting the cooperative program. Well, you know what? How many lawyers does the North American Mission Board have on retainer right now? How many lawyers? You know, they call it, talk about this task force. OK, do you know who's paying for that? Southern Baptists. And as I said earlier, we don't create everything. We don't have a gold mine. We don't have a silver mine. We receive our money from the churches. And I promise you, the churches are sending this money so that we can reach souls for Jesus Christ. 
they're not sending it for lawyers. And I'm going to step out on a limb here. Maybe most or all of these lawyers are working for, well, if that's the case, why don't you tell us? I think that that's admirable that all these lawyers are not getting a dime. Uh, so I would say, you know, there's your money. Uh, if you've got individuals that are making seven figures or more, you know, I don't know how many Bibles you could buy, how many missionaries you could hire, how many people you could feed, but you know, you've got to decide where you want your money going. You it's my understanding when uh, Tom Rainer left LifeWay, when he retired, he got a severance. I've never got a severance when I retired. And one of this part, a part of his severance was he got $1 million. Wow. You know, so we, you can honestly say that at least in this case, Southern Baptist through the cooperative program made somebody a millionaire. Wow. That that's, that's disgusting, frankly. Um, should, I mean, I'll it's ask disgusting. you yeah, personally, are you staying? I mean, you're a pastor. Are you going to stay in the convention or are you waiting to get out for some, what, what's your stand on that? I'm, I'm staying at the moment. I'm going to stay at the moment uh, because I want to see what happens. I still want to voice. Uh, I would encourage churches. And again, I know a lot of churches that are leaving. They're leaving the convention. Uh, they've already said it. Uh, they're just, they're fed up with it. I would urge churches, you know, pray about it. And instead of leaving, I'm issuing a, I call it the $14 challenge. Each year, give a $1 to the cooperative program a month. That's $12. Give a dollar to Annie, give a dollar to Lottie. That's $14. Again, people say, oh, you're hurting the missionaries. No, just think about a million dollar severance. No, we're trying to get people's attention. If a lot of churches suddenly gave $14 a year, I promise you there would be reform. There would be entity heads that would be fired. There would be trustee changes because you got to follow the money. And I hate to say that we're at that point where I'm afraid it may be money is the only thing that talks to these people. That is a sad state of affairs. Um, well, I appreciate you weighing in and just helping us with this, uh, Dr. Hicks, because uh it's, it's confusing for a lot of people. They hear these accusations and it's, uh, they're over the top. And um, we can understand why someone like yourself might get out. You have a family, you have a church, you have a, a you know, you're bivocational, you have another job and, and you don't have to deal with this nonsense. This isn't something that I'm sure you, out of the, the goodness of your heart, probably yeah. wanted to help the convention. But when you get stuck in these political fights, um, I, I, I'm assuming that can be very discouraging. So thank you for your service and it, for... It, it, and uh, and I appreciate that. Like one thing when we were discussing the, you know, back when we were discussing the sexual issues plaguing the convention, you know, one thing I suggested, I said, well, you know, here's something we could do in the short term. I think everybody on the EC, when you come on as a trustee, and I would think this would be something we should do for all the entities. Every one of us should submit to a full background check. What a wonderful example that would set. You know what I got, how I was responded to? Crickets. Crickets. Wow. I want to stand up and shout, the world is watching, the world is watching. But that, to me, that was a very simple, immediate thing we could do to show, hey, we're, we're trying. And that's what we tell all our churches. 
have background checks. Everyone that works with children, works with anybody, uh, for that matter, staff members, volunteers, they should have background checks. Right. Well, why not entities? Why not trustees? Yeah, that's an interesting because it, it almost makes you wonder whether this task force is just a symbol. It's throwing a bone and, and it's a. Uh... Is, is there actually some teeth behind this that will help victims, actual victims? That's supposed to be the exactly. point. Exactly. And then you've got people like you know, the president of the convention that, in my opinion, still hasn't explained you know, why he doesn't write his own sermons. And yeah. we have so many people that if you, if you have the time to dig into it, which I don't, nobody does, you start finding out who used to be at whose uh, church on staff, who did whose wedding, who roomed with who in a seminary, who's on each other's boards. But when you begin to put all that down, you begin to see the people that are all connected. Their names keep coming up in scandal after scandal. Um, and remember, I'm just going to say, this is going to hurt some people's feelings. This may make some people mad. They, they, they couldn't get real jobs. This is what they do all day long is figure out where the money's coming to their entity. They get to travel around in first class. They stay at nice hotels. They get taken to ball games and dinner. They get to speak. People want their autograph. That's, that blows my mind. It's the whole celebrity culture we've created uh, in, in, in evangelical circles. So these people, they don't want the money stopped. They are building their own empires. That, that's a powerful um, note to end on because uh, that's it, it's a reality check for everyone who's giving to the Southern Baptist Convention. I hope if you're Southern Baptist and you're hearing uh, what Dr. Hicks has to say that you'll take that to heart. Maybe take this, this was it, $14 challenge and uh, get serious. challenge. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, if even if you just did it from now till, you know, the first of the year, suddenly people would start answering some questions. I promise. Well, uh, on that note, thank you, Dr. Paul Hicks. I uh, appreciate you um, being willing to talk about this stuff. God bless you on your endeavors. And I'm glad that you have uh, at least one thank weight you. off your chest thank now you. so you can focus on your church. Well, that was Dr. Paul Hicks. I hope that was beneficial to everyone who's a Southern Baptist out there. Uh, understanding more about your denomination, I think, is important if you give money to it. Uh, just a quick reminder for those who um, are interested, uh, patrons of $10 or more uh, a month Two Conversations That Matter will receive a free copy of Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict, autographed by myself. And uh, you can find the link in the info section if that's something that interests you. Um, if you just want to get the book, though, you can also go to ChristianityAndSocialJustice.com and you can order the book there. And um, I hope it's beneficial for you, for those who uh, are able to order it. God bless and more coming later in the week. Bye now. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.